Welcome to this episode of the Socks and Soul podcast. I hope everyone had a great Christmas. I know we did. We traveled down to uh, Utah to spend some time with Annie's family. And we went sledding and we went skiing and snowboarding and we went axe throwing. Um, I've seen these axe places around, you know, these little axe ring places and you know, we've been wanting to do one. COVID has kind of sidelined some of that stuff a little bit, but we decided to to leave the kids at home one night and as adults go out and grab some dinner and then do some axe throwing. And it was kind of awesome. It was super fun. It was a fun environment and they had some games and, you know, uh, it was it was pretty legit. It was it was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. So, and, and I did okay. I was surprised. I, you know, I was able to hit the target pretty well and we had a good time um, with, you know, with Eddie's family and my in-laws and siblings and stuff. So we had a great, uh, we had a great Christmas. We traveled back here, uh, back up here to Spokane. And while I was in Utah, I was talking to my sister-in-law, Mary Black, and she has this just, she, she's a, just a really positive person. She's got a great personality. And, and despite all that, she has dealt with some, some of her own demons, like we all have. And she's just really honest and authentic about what she has been going through and how it has helped her arrive where she's at today. Today, she is a, she's a nurse working in one of the busiest hospitals in Utah uh, in the emergency room, and she loves it. Yeah, I can clearly see how much she loves her job, which is very exciting. She graduated from nursing school er earlier this year, as you'll hear from this interview. But she's not a business owner. But but again, the real heart of this podcast is 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 talking to people about how they took risks to make their lives better and how the struggle of the risk and overcoming the the fear of trying something new and different led to them being in a better place today than they were however long ago they started their journey. So a couple of years ago, she decided to go back to nursing school and um, or go to nursing school after she had already been working for a number of years in her field of athletic training. She's just really honest and really inspiring. She's dealt with an eating disorder when she was younger in her teenage years and and I just find I just find what she has done and the way she has overcome it to be really, really cool. She's a she's a great interview. So thanks for joining us on the Socks and Soul podcast. Let's go. Joining me via the interweb is my sister-in-law, Mary Black. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing, Mary? You know, I'm doing really good. How are you? Well, I just really appreciate you taking part of your day off as a busy ER nurse to join me and record a podcast. It has been a very productive day off. I folded 8,000 loads of laundry and mopped my floor. So. And now you're recording a podcast. And now I'm recording a podcast. This is probably the highlight of the day, but that's how days off go. You know, you have all these things that kind of pile up until you get a day off and you're like, Oh, let me take care of all those things that gonna, I can't do while I work 12 hours at a time. You're going to knock some things off your to-do list and be productive. Exactly. So I've done pretty all right today. So this has been a, this has been a pretty exciting year for you. Why is that? 
Well, I graduated from nursing school and I'm not, I'm not really a graduating from college age. I'm 31. So this was a back to school experience for me. And I graduated from nursing school in March um, amidst the pandemic. I had to drive from Salt Lake City, Utah to Boise, Idaho in order to take my licensing test so that I could be a nurse because things were all shut down and crazy. Um, and then I started working as a nurse at one of the biggest and busiest hospitals here in the good old state of Utah. So you live down in Saratoga Springs, Utah. I do. Now you, you talk about being an old graduate, a 31 year old graduate. I know it's not quite as old as you, but it's still kind of old. (laughs) This is true. I'm a few years older than you. However, it has always been your dream, essentially your career dream anyway, to be a nurse. That's right. That's right. I took a Six-year detour into the world of athletic training, which is a terribly named profession. Let's just get that, you know, sorted out right now. Um, For those of you who may not know, when you're watching a sporting event, say you're watching a football game, quarterback gets tackled, he's hurt. There's a group of people that run to him. Athletic trainers are in that group. You know, um, John Morant last night sprained his ankle bad during his basketball game. And athletic trainers go out to tend to him. I'm sure they have fancy surgeons and stuff too, but athletic trainers work injury prevention, injury management, um, rehab, all facets of keeping athletes, especially healthy. Um, so I did that. Isn't that kind of like being a nurse though? It's kind of like being a nurse, but it's just in an entirely different setting. Um, you can work in a high school. Uh, Many of the athletic trainers here in Utah also teach. They'll teach like an EMT class. So they'll teach anatomy or introduction to health professions or something like that. And then, you know, it's their job to watch over practices and be at the school until 10 o'clock at night, till the basketball game's over, until the football game's over. Um, Not a glamorous lifestyle, you might say. Um, Also universities, staff, athletic trainers, Um, I interned for a year at Brigham Young University in Provo with their track and field and cross country programs. Traveled pretty much every weekend um, because there was a cross country season, an indoor track season, outdoor track season. I was dating my husband at the time who I met through athletic training. So I can't totally diss the profession. Um, He was an offensive lineman on BYU's football team. And I met him as an athletic training student. So that was a major blessing that athletic training brought into my life. It's worth Um, noting that there is a somewhat size differential between you and your husband. 17 inches, 19 inches. You are, are you five feet tall? I mean, I like to say I am, but really maybe you're four eleven. Maybe if we're being technical. So you're, you're a very small human being. And when I met your husband, Jordan, he was still in a football offensive lineman body. So he's always six, seven as he is today, but he probably weighed almost a hundred pounds more than he does today. He was 300 and what? 330 pounds when we got married. He was an enormous, enormous guy. And, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of hilarious seeing you two together, frankly, quite hilarious. It still kind of is. I forget sometimes. And then I see pictures and I'm like, Oh yeah. 
that's how we look. Like so. when you guys would cuddle on the couch, it was like me cuddling with my five-year-old. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it, it was kind of funny. We've been mistaken as like, you know, father, daughter, big brother, little sister. So it's fine. It's whatever. So, so <laughs> seven years later, it's just how it is. That's one know? of the great things that came out of you graduating with an athletic training degree and uh, exactly. working in that field for a while. Exactly. And then I went to work um, for six years as an athletic trainer for an orthopedic surgeon in no five years, sorry. Um, in Provo. Um, is that a great common, guy. Is that a common field for athletic trainers? No, to go? no, it's kind of a non-traditional role. Um, they used us. I think we spoke more that orthopedic lingo than most nurses do. Um, so they used us to run clinic. Um, I scheduled surgeries. I got surgery prior authorizations through insurances um, after being there for a couple of years, I functioned as his scribe. So I would go in the room with him and document the visit. I would kind of write his note for him, um, which was an amazing learning experience for me because I watched him examine patients. I watched him go over MRIs. Um, so that did nothing, you know, less than pique my interest for wanting to be more involved in that process. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, so not that I was unhappy with my job, but I just felt a little bit stuck. I felt like I was going to be doing what I was doing for a long time. Um, there didn't feel like there was much latitude in the athletic training field. Um, and so one day out of the blue, I sent a text to my grandma-in-law, Sally. And I asked her because she is the director of admissions at a vocational school here in Salt Lake. I asked her how much tuition was for her nursing program. And the bummer thing is with the vocational schools, it's really easy to get in, which is not the case with a lot of nursing programs here in the Salt Lake Valley. Um, most of them are very, very competitive, um, but they are very expensive. So the program where I went, I think usually costs about $52,000 for a two-year associate's degree in nursing. And because Sally is an incredible human and I had some classes that transferred and such, I wound up paying about $6,000 to get my RN. So that was an incredible, wow. an incredible blessing. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons why I was like, you know what? It would actually probably be unintelligent to not go do this. But that's not really what it was about for you. No, that's not really what it was about. It was a good like kick in my pants, though, to say, hey, let's go. OK, and we'll come back to that a little later. But I want to rewind a little bit and talk about. Uh, I mean, th that's a big deal because you were you were what, 29 or so at the time, 28, 29. You'd been working in 29. your field for years. You were making pretty yes. good money. And, and then you decided to make this switch. And that's a really important part, I think, of your interview. But, but I want to back up a little bit and talk about why you, why you didn't follow that in the first place and what you learned from it. Well, so I got my undergraduate degree, as we mentioned, from um, Brigham Young University, um, which is a fine institution. I don't in any way want to um, throw dirt on BYU, but it's a tough um, environment it's to be in. 
it's a very competitive environment. There are a lot of very smart and very talented humans that attend school there. Um, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania and went to BYU and was thrown into, I have this vivid memory. I'm sitting in the Swicket, okay, the Kimball Tower in one of the big lecture halls. And there's like 250 seats in this lecture hall. It's like human growth and development or something. And my teacher says, okay, I want all of you that graduated in the top 10% of your class to raise your hand. And so like, I'm about to raise my hand and I look around and I realize the entire class is raising their hand. Yep. And it was just this like, congratulations. You're not really special here. <laughs> like welcome to school. <laughs> so, um, I was very interested in nursing in the beginning. Um, I have an amazing mom that went back to nursing school as a 47-year-old human, mother of six children. Um, when I, her fifth kid, was a sophomore in high school, she was, I think she was starting to get bored or something. You know, she needed an outlet. Um, well, so I watching think, her. And I think, I think your mom, Jeannie, I think she wanted something meaningful to do you know, for the next phase of her life. She'd raised these six great kids and, you know, your, your dad, my father-in-law, he, you know, he had his business, you know, going and, and I think, I think it's something she always wanted to do. And so I I think she just looked at the next 20 or 30 years of her life and thought, I want to do something meaningful. And this is something, and her dad, your grandfather is a doctor and, and so your, it was kind of your a big family's deal. connection to the medical field has always been pretty strong. It has, it has. And so being, you know, around her experiences for the last couple of years of my time at home piqued my interest. Um, but I would attend these pre-nursing meetings at BYU and they would say things like, you know, we've had girls with 4.0s apply and not get in. Um, and it just kind of felt like, good luck, like try if you want to, you know, and I was very discouraged. Um, I've always had a little bit of difficulty with like the self doubt, um, voice in my own mind. And I didn't even try. I didn't even apply to the nursing program at BYU because I was so sure that I wasn't going to get in. And I, it's not like I didn't have the grades. I had a three, nine. Um, and you know, sometimes really smart people tend to have a little bit more difficulty with like personal skills. And I don't feel like I struggle in that area. Um, so I feel like maybe, you know, me and BYU missed out on making a nurse 10 years ago instead of (laughs) making one this year. So was it, I mean, was it, were you more afraid of not getting in? Were you afraid of the rejection or did you really, really believe that you weren't good enough to do it? That's a very interesting question. Um, I think more the rejection. Because you, you had, know, because you, you dealt a little bit with this image, you know, stuff growing up, especially through your teenage years, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, I had a pretty, I don't want to say the word severe, but I mean, a pretty intense eating disorder. I struggled with anorexia pretty bad. Um, my junior year of high school and it's, it's such an interesting thing to be a person that when you look at yourself and, and I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now 
um, when I look at myself, I don't believe that I see me the way that most people see me. You know, there are a lot of um, biases in my own mind about myself that I've had to work through over many years and that I still on days when I wake up, I'm like, oh, listen, you know that that voice isn't right. You know, let's listen to this thing that you know is true instead of whatever's telling you lies today because it's not a great day or whatever the case may be. Um, so yes, that is something that I was familiar with coming into school as well. And there's always been a very perfectionistic quality. That's something you'll see in a lot of, um, people that struggle with eating disorders and especially anorexia. Um, it's a very like controlling, very, for lack of a better term, I know I just said this two seconds ago, but just that perfectionist quality is very, um, very common in, uh, people that suffer from anorexia for sure. Well, and I think, I think it's, it's worth noting, you know, that you as a 15, 16, 17 year old through the eyes of somebody who was, you know, almost 10 years older than you, you know, I, I viewed you as this hyper successful, very socially aware. You were remarkable at, at doing things that not all teenagers are good at, like communicating with adults and, um, I found you to be just as, a, as delightful and put together a teenager as I, as I have ever known. And so to find out from, from, you know, and not only were you, did you get good grades, but you excelled athletically. Uh, you were very, you were very good at, at accomplishing things that were important to you. You're very dedicated to things like, like running and school. And, and so when I found out that you were dealing with, uh, you know, this image issue, um, it, it really, it really was a shock to me because like you said, from the outsider's perspective, you were about as well put together teenager as I still to this day have, have ever encountered. Well, you're raising one too, just in case you didn't know. Um, (laughs) Hopefully hopefully I'm raising a bunch of them, but we'll see. (laughs) I think that that's, that's, um, oftentimes how it goes. And I think that that's a, a big plug for, you know, just giving people the benefit of the doubt and being kind and, and being the best that we can to each other is you just never know. You never know what people are struggling with or what is plaguing them. And I think that it goes a long way. You know, if you think something nice like that about somebody, pull them aside and let them know. And I'll be like, Hey, I'm really impressed by this or you know, and make it not about how people look, make it about, you know, the, the person they are or something they've done that has impacted you, you know, the things that really matter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the other thing is, is you have always been relentlessly kind, uh, you know, to the people around you. Um, and, and, but it, 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 it's always struck me a little bit how you had a hard time for a while finding that kindness and compassion for yourself. Yeah, point, it was it was always easier that that you really wasn't your go to. And and you had to course correct a few years later. Mm-hmm. And and looking back now, like I, I don't think I would have done it differently. You know, we talked about meeting my husband and I had awesome experiences working as an athletic trainer. I mean, I've been on ESPN. How many people can say that? Right. Doesn't Multiple times. <laughs> so anyway, um, a lot of free stuff from BYU. Uh, the list is long, but um, 
And it, it makes me appreciate where I am that much more. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially with nursing, get into the field and they're like, this is what this is like. You know, they're like, oh, shoot, I don't know that I like this. Um, but my eyes were wide open. I knew exactly what I was getting into and I could not be happier. I was telling my husband the other day, I was like, it's kind of nerdy how much I love my job. <laughs> and he, of course, was like, uh, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yep, yep, Mary, you're, you're spot on there. Okay. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, but I just couldn't be more grateful for all of the experiences that have kind of led me to where I am. I really think that um, going through hard things makes you be able to connect better with people. You know, I, I work in an emergency room um, and see people that struggle with addiction, with drugs, with alcohol. And, and I've never been down that road, but I've been down a road where my mind was controlling everything I did, um, you know, contributing to very poor decisions. And I was believing things that weren't necessarily true that my mind was telling me, you know, so I, I have a glimpse of how tough it is to overcome some of these things that not necessarily have I experienced. Um, but I can kind of put myself in people's shoes. And I think that's a big part of, of having sympathy and empathy for people and, and to not burn out in this field. Um, so important to be able to say, you know, this person obviously is struggling. We see the same people in our ER a lot that come in the same situation, either they're drunk or high or whatever. And they come in and they sleep it off and they go home and we see them a couple weeks later. And most people are like, Oh, I can't believe so-and-so is back, you know? And I'm like, I'll take them. I understand. Like, I know what it's I'll like have to, them. to have the demons screaming in your ear and to have a hard time. Sometimes I, I can appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Have, yes. Having that empathy for people is super important. Yeah, especially in in the nursing field. Yeah. Because it can get old real quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure it can feel feel monotonous, you know, a day in and day out when you're seeing some of the same people and the same issues. No, no doubt about it. So so I want to talk about that time between you graduated in athletic training. So wait a minute. So you ultimately you you decided you you were in these programs or these classes where they were talking about how hard it is to get into BYU's nursing program. And so instead you, 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 you go the athletic training route and, and then, so you get your degree in athletic training, you know, and, and you start doing, you start working in that career from day one. Did you think to yourself, this isn't really where I want to be, or was it something that happened over time? I think there was always a little bit of me that would have rather been, I was in a clinic setting, you know, for most of my athletic training career. Um, my intern year was fun because we were busy. We were traveling. You were all over the place. Um, I worked with track and field across country and I love to run. So I made great friends that were running, you know. So there were always things that kind of were exciting and distracting. Um, and even when I got into the clinic, like it was it was a challenge to learn that world specifically, you know, my surgeon did mostly knee and shoulder surgery. So to learn, you know, what an MRI looks like when somebody's ACL was torn, or I, I still can't tell you what rotator cuffs look like when they're torn because shoulder MRIs are like black and white and gray and everything looks the same. Um, but learning those things was a new challenge, you know, and after I had done it, I was with him for five years. And after I'd done it for, a, you know, that long, I had just came to a point where, 
there was something else I wanted to be doing more. So, you know, the, for a lot of people, you know, we graduate from college, we go work in our, in our field. And I mean, you know, five, five years is, that's a good chunk of time to be working and, you know, and you're, you're earning money and you're, you're paying things off or you're acquiring things, you know, a house or a car or, or whatever. Or you pay, some people they're paying down student debt. So the idea of turning around and going back to school and, you know, and, and undermining a little bit of that progress and success, that's, that's a tough deal. How did you, how did you deal with that? It really was. It really was. Um, I kind of dealt with it in that, like rip the bandaid off fashion. Um, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of time between me asking grandma Sally what tuition was and her saying, we have an April start. I think I maybe asked her in February and she said, we have an April start. Should I put you on the list? You know? And in my mind, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll wait till July. Cause they did these quarters. So the next start would have been July. Um, And, you know, talking to my husband, we didn't have kids yet. And, you know, he was like, well, this means we're probably not going to start a family until you're 31 years old, you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, that doesn't sound very good. And realizing that I had to go find a job that was going to have flexible hours and probably not as good of pay. You know, there were a lot of things that made this sound not very um, attractive. And just the fact that it, anyone out there that's been through nursing school knows it's not that fun. Like the, the two years that you're in school, they're not that fun. It's wild. Like the time management portion is just insane. You have classes, labs, clinicals, um, simulations. I mean, just crazy. The schedule's crazy, you know? And at that point I didn't, I didn't know that. And I hope I still would have signed up if I did know that, but I just, I just didn't, really let myself take the time to think about how <laughs> off-putting this was going to be, you know? Um, Cause I had this great opportunity and it was just kind of a grab it and go situation. Cause if I would have overanalyzed, I don't think I would be in the same position I am today. How do you, how, how do you tell people not to overanalyze when they're making big life decisions like this? Cause my, the, the whole purpose of this show is to convince people to, you know, take leaps of faith and to do things that they want to do, things that they've been thinking about or dreaming about. I talked to a lot of people on this show who, who they feel like they're being compelled or called to do something, you know, different than they're doing, which is, which is your case. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you deal with the risk and the, and the uncertainty of, of going in a direction like that? How do you, how did you, how do you assess that? And and what would you tell people? Well, I think, um, the biggest thing for me was, was looking at my previous five years of life and knowing that nursing was always in the back of my head. Like, have you ever, I don't know if this is a great for you. It's probably like technological gadgets, but like any like female that's ever gone shopping and you see that one thing, you know, the, the shirt or the pair of shoes or whatever it is. And you think about buying it and you're like, I don't need it. I'm good. But then you leave the store and you still think about that thing, you know, until like either the opportunity has gone because they no longer have it or you go back and you get that thing so you can stop thinking about it, you know? So I think that was kind of a big thing for me is that I never stopped thinking about nursing. 
It was always there in my mind. It was always kind of my, my deep, dark desire. Um, and the other thing was to have people around you um, that believe in you and that think you can do all the things that maybe even you don't think you can do. Um, my husband is great that way. He's a very like no nonsense type of a guy, you know? So when I say I want to do something, he's like, of course you, of course you can. If that's really what you want to do, of course you can. Um, I've run a couple marathons and one of the biggest reasons I have is because of him, we went and finished or watched his dad finish, um, the Salt Lake city marathon. And I looked at him and I said, I, I think maybe I could do this. And he looked at me and said, of course you can. <laughs> so I think having those people too, that will fill in our gaps, you know, when we really are lacking, um, that we can kind of like lean on them and say, you know, if that person believes in me, maybe I should have a little more faith in me too. And, and maybe I really can do this scary thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Fill, fill your life with people you know, who will believe in you and help you follow your dreams. I think that, I think that's really, really good advice. I think that, that really having people in your life that believe in you, you know, even when we don't believe in us, um, are pretty priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So, so you, you quit your job, you start mm -hmm. nursing school, mm -hmm. I, um, you know, in terms of a financial hit, you know, I, it was probably significant, right? Half, I think okay. I was making about half of what I was making Yeah. before I went to school. And we also um, moved from an apartment to a townhouse that summer. So that was a big change in um, financial responsibility. Um, so there were a lot of things that were a little bit stressful, um, but still, you know, it was just a bigger I don't know. Some things are bigger than money. And thankfully I have people around me that if we would have needed help, I probably could have gotten some help. Yeah. Um, that's not my favorite thing to do or to ask for. Um, but you know, we, we made it work. I worked kind of weird jobs. I was a residential coach was the title at a re residential treatment center for teenagers, which like bless everyone that works in that arena, but that is so not my population. Like I had the hardest time with these kids. I was just like, Oh my gosh, like you guys are the worst. Like mean on purpose, just like, Oh, no fun. And I worked from three o'clock in the afternoon to midnight, which anyone who knows me knows that like, I like to be asleep by about eight 30, yep. you know, maybe yep. nine. So that was hard. And then I got my foot in the door at the hospital that I work at now, Intermountain Medical Center in Murray, Utah, um, transporting for the radiology department. So I would go and pick up patients and take them down to their x-ray or their MRI or their CT or whatever it was, and then take them back up to their room. And that was, um, I did that for a couple months. And then, so after my transporting gig, I got a job as a, a glorified babysitter. It was called a patient safety attendant. It was a non-clinical position. So you didn't have to have any medical knowledge whatsoever. But there are patients in the hospital that are either, you know, confused for one reason or another, or anyone that's there with like an attempted suicide situation, 
gets a, a, a sitter is what we call them. And you sit in the room and you make sure they don't, you know, the confused people, you make sure they don't pull out their IV lines or their, their catheter, you know, those types of things are, um, people there with suicidal attempts. Um, you're, you're there to keep them safe, you know? Um, so, so I did that. Was there, was there any point in, in, you know, when you had started this two year process of nursing school where you thought, I don't know. I don't know if this is what I signed up for. I don't know if this was a good choice. Did you ever doubt your decision? Um, it was a little bit hard on my marriage sometimes, um, because it was very time consuming. It was very tiring and I didn't always have a lot of energy left to like be a good wife and partner and friend and all of those things to my husband, you know? And so sometimes when I felt like I was disappointing him, then for sure. I was like, why did I do this? Like we were fine, you know, but then you think about it and like, it's fine how you want to live your life. And would I rather sacrifice two years of being a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit, not myself to live a life where, you know, I'm stoked to go to work every day, every time. So, so now you've been working in this field this first year, if you could go back to the, the pre nursing school, Mary and, and tell her something, what would you tell her? Um, the overarching thought that I had about going back to school was that there was, there was not going to be an easier time. You know, I think we wait for things to be like more settled or to be more financially stable or to be, but the farther we go down the road in life, like you just have more responsibilities, you know, like we don't have children yet. And watching people do nursing school with kids was like a whole other level. We got a dog during nursing school and I thought that was going to put me over the edge and <laughs> dogs are very different than children. Come on, Smokey, so, get your act together. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so I think that, you know, the biggest thing is like, it's probably not going to get more convenient. Like it doesn't feel convenient at the time, but it's probably not going to get more convenient. You know, you're going to get more comfortable in whatever position you're in or, or your current position is going to improve and you're just going to get more and more reasons to not go back and do that thing or to not start that business or to not, you know, not take the risk. So like I said, with ripping off the bandaid, I think sometimes it's just easier to be like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to take the shot because I don't know if it'll come around again or if it'll be any better yeah. <laughs> later. Yes, absolutely. And that, I think, I think a lot of us get paralyzed a little bit in the fear of it. You know, it's just like, I have all of these things. Like, I mean, and that was the thing about your life is things were going great. Things were fine. You were making good money. You had a good job. You know, you enjoyed it for the most part. You know, you, you had, you had free time cause you weren't doing school. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's a lot of, reasons I didn't work weekends or holidays. Yeah. Yeah. These are great <laughs> reasons you know, to continue. And, and, and so there's a certain part of you that looks at that and is like, what am I complaining about? You know, what's the right. big deal? Everything is going well. You know, I've got good benefits. I've got decent pay, you know, but, but when you have that thing in the back of your mind saying, Hey, you can do more, you should do more. 
it's it, it's a tricky it's a tricky game to stop and look and go okay in order to make this better i've got to make some adjustments and i've got to disrupt what's going well right so that i can readjust and make it go even better and almost the like it's going to get worse before it gets better situation you know yeah like there were so many days in school where, and I mean, I bring this on myself, but I'm waking up at 4 a.m. to go for a run. I'm going to work from 6.30 to 12.30. I'm going to a simulation from 1 to 4. And then I have, you know, a study group from 4 to 6. And that's an entire, you're not home till 8 o'clock at night and you left your house at 5 in the morning. And, you know, it was just a wild, wild ride. And I sincerely hope that anybody that listens to this story and takes a risk enjoys the payoff as much as I have enjoyed the payoff because I can't tell you a time that I felt more like I'm in the right place in my life. You know, every time I go to work and I meet patients and I interact with patients and I, you know, I, can I tell you a a work story? Oh yeah, please do. (laughs) So I had a really nice guy come in a couple weeks ago who um, we can measure oxygen saturation, right? You put the little probe on your finger and the best is 100%. And we want everyone to be at least above 90. Um, Most places where you're not at altitude, people like you to be like 95 or above, right? So I get this guy from an ambulance who his oxygen saturation is 79. And he's also on a high delivery um, oxygen like setup. He's got a bunch of oxygen coming into him and his saturation is still in the toilet. It's in the toilet. Okay. So I received this guy. I'm still orienting in the emergency room. I received this guy from the ambulance and was amazed. I hate to like toot my horn, but I'm going to toot just a little bit because you know, we've been through this long process and it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge our successes. Yes. So I, I call my respiratory therapist and I say, Hey, I just got this guy. He's on this much oxygen by this delivery system. His stats are still really bad. I need some help. He comes right over. He gets this guy set up on um, a system that only the respiratory therapist can really deal with. And we've got his stats going up a little bit, you know? Um, and then from his story, we decided to get a chest x-ray really quick just to see, cause he said he had sudden pain that morning in his chest. Um, and so we get this chest x-ray and he has, his lung is collapsed. Oh wow! And so I call my doc. I'm like, Hey, I've got this guy. He's got the term is pneumothorax. Okay. So he's got this collapsed lung or this pneumothorax. And so my doc comes in right away. We set it all up and we get a chest tube in this guy which is not a pleasant experience. Okay. You take a tube, you shove it into someone's side through their muscles, through their ribs, into the space where their lung should be to let the air out so that their lung can re-expand. So all of these things are happening. I'm trying to talk to this guy. I'm like, okay, so this is what we found. Just trying to, you know, keep him calm, keep him informed. Gave him some pain medicine. That's how you get to be everybody's friend. Um, <laughs> and just made sure he knew what was going on every step of the way, right? So we finish um, with his chest tube. We get a post-procedure x-ray. His lung is reinflated. Like everything went just like it should have, okay? So I'm just kind of cleaning up in the room, getting everything sorted, getting him comfortable. And he looks at me and he says, I really appreciate your attitude. this guy who we just shoved a big tube in his side wants to compliment me on my attitude. 
So I said, well, that's, that's really nice of you. Thank you. And he said, you're so positive. You're so energetic. You really helped me stay calm through that whole thing. And I'm so grateful. And, um, I mean, so I didn't get emotional then because I'm kind of getting emotional now. I laughed and I said, well, I appreciate your attitude because we just kind of stuck you like a pig and you're <laughs> grateful. And he laughed and, you know, but it's experiences like that where everything has come together and I feel like I've made a big difference. Um, cause I feel like getting the ball rolling on that guy was a big deal. You know, he was having a pretty, like an actual medical emergency, um, and being able to use what I've learned and all of those things that I worked so hard for made a big difference in his life. It's a, it's a beautiful story, Mary. And, you know, and it, it's so exciting to see you in this position now where you're really, I mean, you know, we were just together over the last week and, and to see the change in disposition for you having, having done all this hard work and now really enjoying the fruits of it in a field that it just, you can just tell you just, you just love it. And this is, you know, and this is somebody that's already annoyingly positive you know, <laughs> to have you even more excited about what it is you're doing and, and the way that it has come about. Um, I, I would, you know, man, oh man, you're the kind of, you're the kind of nurse that everybody dreams about having, you know, if they have to go in and, and have somebody stab them, you know, they might as well be the one who is relentlessly happy and positive. I just love well, that story. I, I hope so. I hope so. Even just, you know, I had a patient tell me at the end of a shift, it was probably 530 and I had worked from 6 a.m. and was off at 6 p.m. And she was like, what shift are you working today? And I said, oh, you know, I got here at 6 a.m. and I'm almost done. And she said, how do you still have any energy. And, you know, I, just to be funny, I was like, well, this is kind of my baseline, but that was kind of true. <laughs> and we just laughed about it, you know, and, and I really enjoy being in that position. Um, something awesome about nursing is you see somebody at one of their worst times of life. You know, I just through training in the emergency room have seen some rough things. Um, and to for some reason, I am excited to be the person that gets to try and make that a little bit better, you know, for them, for their families, for whoever is involved. I am happy to take on that responsibility and, um, you know, shoulder some of their hardship and, and be with them through that. Yeah. And um, that's just totally different than what I was doing before, you know, and, and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Even though nursing school was crazy. Um, even though, you know, working the jobs I worked was not fun. Um, I wouldn't change any of it. I don't think it's so great, man. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad that you had the courage to, to, I don't, I don't know if calling it a course correct is the right term necessarily, but have the courage to, 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 you know, hit the blinker and take a detour that that got you on a path that that you clearly are are really designed to be on in a field that really is important and meaningful to you. Uh, you know, I always say that that not everybody is designed to be an entrepreneur, which is true. But the other thing that's sure heck is true is not everybody is designed to be a nurse. Uh, and unfortunately, not everybody is a nurse who was designed 
not everybody who is a nurse was designed to be a nurse. nurse. Um, But I just think, um, like you said, it's, it's scary, but it's, has paid off for me in such a big way. And so I just hope that, you know, whether it's a business venture or a relationship venture or whatever it is, you know, taking those risks can have such an awesome effect on our lives and impact on other people's lives. Like you just never know. Um, And looking at my life now, I have so much more opportunity open to me. Um, There are ways to further your education in nursing that I didn't have with athletic training. You know, I think ultimately I would love to be a nurse practitioner. Um, they practice kind of um, more on their own. Um, they can even practice not under a doctor's license, you know, so that's kind of, I don't want to say fully autonomous, but it's pretty autonomous. Um, and that was just not an opportunity I had, you know, and, and that excites me as well. And I think that that's something to hold on to in life too is, is just always be excited to be learning and to be growing. I think it's when we get stagnant that life gets just less exciting, you know, and, and we get a little less happy and a little less positive and all of those things go together. Yeah. I love that. Continue to learn, continue to challenge yourself and continue to take calculated risks that at the end of the day will make you a better person. That is, that is a critic. That's a great philosophy for life. I think that is totally awesome, Mary. I love that advice. Well, thanks. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's finish this interview by talking about something that's really important. And that is, uh, let fill me in on what your sock philosophy is. Um, my sock philosophy. So I'm a runner, so I do value a good pair of socks. Um, And I think that a lot of your personality can be expressed through socks. I agree. Um, That's a good one. Unfortunately, with nursing, you know, we all wear the same thing. We wear navy blue scrubs. And I can express myself through my socks and my shoes. So you can find me wearing, you know, not your average pair of socks just because it's more fun for me. What, uh, What do you have socks on right now? Tell me about your socks. I don't. Oh, you did this interview in bare feet, Mary? No, I have my Norwegian felted slippers on. Oh, okay. All right. That's acceptable. Yes. That's acceptable. Yes. My husband's family is, um, they live in Norway. And I'm not sure if these were made by a Norwegian family member or purchased there, but they are straight out of Norway. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yes. But I ran this morning and wore... What did I wear this morning? I think I had Adidas socks on this morning. Very good. You know, the, the idea behind the socks and soul podcast was that the ideas that come to us, come to us in, in humble circumstances. And the socks are kind of symbolic of those humble circumstances, whether it's, you know, driving to and, f- you know, back and forth from a job you don't love, or, you know, sitting at home, reading a book or tinkering in your shop or, you know, wherever that happens, socks are something that are always with us and they're symbolic of, you know, something humble. And then the soul part of it is it, it takes everything you got. It takes your whole soul to make your dreams come true, to, to, to make your life better, to, to overcome fear. And, uh, and so, so it's one of the reasons that I love socks and I love, I love your, 
your uh, line about you can you can show your personality with your socks. That is so true. Yes. And this is why I need to own so many socks and shoes. So if you ever see my closet, it's, it's my only outlet at work. Okay. So don't judge. <laughs> I don't have a lot of shoes, but I do have a lot of socks. And someday, well, someday when I'm really wealthy, I'm only going to wear new socks every day. I'm going to wear a brand new pair of socks. Well, I think you can donate lightly used socks. You can make that into your own totally. charity effort. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Here, you can have these socks. I've only worn once. They've only been worn once. Don't worry. We'll have to come up with does a good, it, we'll have to come It up doesn't give you enough time for, for your, your terribly dry heels to wear through the, the heel of them. So. Yes, yes, that's right. Well, Mary, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for taking the time on your laundry busy day off to to talk to me about about your your accomplishments and and the the ups and downs of of how you made your life better. It's a great story. It's very inspiring. Well, thanks for giving me an outlet because it's fun to talk about and not everybody wants to hear it over and over. So I'm happy to share. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Mary. And I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Cal. The Socks and Soul podcast is a production of Ditto Film Media. If you enjoy this content, be sure to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Join the conversation on Facebook at Socks and Soul Podcast.